So, for those of you who didn't remember, Norflet and Shanae have taken a lead position of a church on the west side. So this will be, uh, at least in his current role, this will be one of the last times Norflet will be uh, teaching as one of our uh, teaching pastors. I'm sure we're going to drag him back to teach here and there. Um, but I just want you guys to make sure he knows how much we love him. Oh, we love you. Oh, my gosh. You guys, stop. All right, come on, stop. Y'all is crazy, y'all is crazy. Oh, my goodness. I love you back. I love you back. I'm going to be around. I'm only up the street. So... Yeah. All right. So the Spirit of the Lord gives life. The Spirit of the Lord gives life. The Spirit of the Lord brings life. The Spirit of the Lord gives life. The Spirit of the Lord gives life. The Spirit of the Lord gives Life. He comes to bring you joy and peace. He comes to bring you joy and peace. He comes to bring you joy and peace. One more time. He comes to bring us joy and peace. He comes to bring us joy and peace. He comes to bring us joy. And peace. I hear the harmony out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, great morning. All right? Great morning. It's not just a good morning. It's a great morning. Great morning. And to all the brohams who are papas, happy Father's Day. And to all the brohams who want to be papas but can't yet, we pray that God would just fill your quiver with children. In the name of Jesus. Hey, so this morning, uh, we are continuing the Nehemiah series, Broken. And, uh, but within the series of Nehemiah, we're doing a mini-series, and uh, it's on unity. And so there are about 50 churches uh, across Metro Detroit that are preaching the same message today. And so, isn't that cool? Yeah, they're, they're just the unity that's happening around our body. And uh, these churches have this vision of an enduring ethnic unity in the church. Last week, Doug kicked it off uh, with why unity is necessary. Question, should the church, as people of faith, people on the way, people who are followers of Jesus, should we be different in how we live out ethnic unity than the broader humanity? And I believe that we should. Next week, don't miss it. He'll, they'll be preaching on uh, racial unity and the credibility of the church. And boy, you don't want to miss that. Racial unity and the credibility of the church. Can you actually believe that the credibility of the church could be on the line if we're not unified? Yeah. And so last week, uh, Doug talked and he says, he gave us four uh, unity truths. And the first one is that we are united. We are already united. It's on the screen there. You can pull them up there. Um, 
He quoted uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He has made the two groups, Gentile and Jew, one. Listen, we are already united, and Doug said we should live from that unity. Amen. He said that we sabotage unity when we hold on to any identity markers above Christ. And listen, this is something that I, I live out. Can I be candid with you? I don't know if I've ever shared it in this uh, platform, but uh, uh, at least with the men. Listen, there are things that we say in our community about interracial dating and marriage and that I've sat on, at the table with my family like, wait a minute, that don't sound like Jesus. And I got to stand up. You know, we would say, if you can't bring, your, if she can't use your comb, don't bring her home. I don't know, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know what happened at your table. Oh, come on, keep it real. Don't get all phony on me now. There are some things that we heard at our tables. And the scripture says that we, we should cast down every vain imagination that exalts itself against what we know about Jesus. Well, that's a vain, vain imagination, and I got to not let that sabotage the unity that God wants to bring. Amen. He says that the spirit of God moves through unity. David says that God commands a blessing on unity. And then finally he says that our unity makes God known. He says our unity makes God known. The scripture says that we'll be known by our love toward one another. How we interact with one another. Oh, you know what? Them Jesus people. Because they love well. This week we're with a, a different challenge. And the question is, why is ethnic unity hard? Why is ethnic unity hard? And, and uh, listen, even, it's just funny. We were, uh, I was doing my mic check, and they were like, hey, Northlet, do your thing. And he was like, hey, I need you to get a little louder. And I said, you know, he's like, you know, you're not loud enough because, you know, you're normally louder. You know, they'd be crack, they crack on me. And I, and, I, and I said, I'm sorry, man, I didn't have my chocolate milk. And then John Jackson says, well, why has it got to be chocolate milk? And I was like, I'm racist. And I don't know, somebody else came in and says, you're talking about ethnic unity and you won't even drink white milk? <laughs> Isn't it great that we can hang out and have that kind of conversation? And just have some fun. But some of us, as we hear this idea of, of ethnic unity, uh, it, it puts us on edge. Because we think ethnic and we think race, and we don't like to talk about race because race, that's uncomfortable. This is, a, you know, I don't, mm, uh, uh, mm. because when we think about race, we think about malice. Oh, come on now. Y'all, y'all, I, I, maybe I should preach to this side. My wife is over here. She'll give me a hearty amen. <laughs> amen. But it's not an easy subject to talk about. And so I want you to help me by asking the Spirit to speak to you. So will you, will you repeat this prayer with me? Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to me. Amen. You know, the context of our church makes this a great subject. I mean, you know our mission statement, right? Help me. That's pretty good, Doug. When they together, they do it really well. <laughs> right, right. 
And if you believe in this mosaic, then this is a beautiful conversation. I mean, this mosaic is multiple ethnic groups in one room with one purpose, and that is to live like Jesus. That's why we're here. And it may be difficult uh, depending on your history, your background. And, you know, I'll give you a little bit of my background. And so, you know, ethnic unity is not as hard for me as it may be for some. Uh, so I'm Detroit born, grew up in Detroit from first, uh, from like from birth to when I was about first grade. In first grade, my parents separated. My dad moved to Dallas, Texas. And uh, we grew up in a, a little small suburb called Richardson. And Richardson, if you, if you ever heard of Plano, Richardson is the one that's right next to it. And... Uh, we were the first chocolate, I'm sorry, African-American people. You know, I'm thinking about chocolate milk. I mean, we were the first African-American people to go to our elementary school, right? So that's how, that's how white it was, right? Now, as I got older, there was more diversity, but not that much more diversity. In fact, when you, like, the only chocolate person in, a, in an all-white school, if somebody else's chocolate comes in and, and it's a female, they're like, ooh, y'all should date. You know, just, just how it is. So uh, my junior year in high school, uh, in Richard's, uh, the second half of my junior high school at a predominantly about 98% all-white school in upper-middle-class suburban uh, uh, Dallas, I leave there and I move to Detroit to live with my mother, and I went to Denby, which was about 98% all-chocolate. And going to, coming from where I came from, coming to uh, Detroit, I would sit down and we'd be reading some, you know, some Shakespeare and I would try to throw some English accent on it. All my friends would be like, you're just trying to be white. <laughs> and so you have this culture, there was a culture shock for me, a chocolate person who spent so many years in, an Af in a white context to come back to a chocolate context because there can be some misunderstanding. And so when I graduated, it was mostly chocolate people, had a few white whites in our class, and then I went off to college for Central Michigan, and, you know, you go off to college, and you see more of the disparity. Well, at least for chocolate people, right? And you get there, and then your friends start to ask questions like, why do all the black people eat lunch together? And then I'm like, well, why do all the white people eat lunch together? <laughs> oh, come on now. Having this conversation can be difficult. Because sometimes we ascribe motive. But what I think is beautiful about this room is that we are a collection of those who are a result of Jesus' great commission. The great commission is Matthew 28, 19. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all, everybody say, nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. In this room are those from German, Irish, Nigerian, Haitian, Italian, British, French, Canadian, Asian, African, you know, I'm just, you know, doing a whole mix, European and Latino descent. And we are nations. We are nations that have been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And not only are we a reflection of others living out the Great Commission, because somebody preached to us and somebody discipled us, but we also have been commissioned to, to go out and disciple nations. Now, the word in the Greek for nations is the Greek word ethnos, is where we get the word ethnic. And so sometimes when we think about nations, we think about 
Germany or, or France or Spain or the United States of America. But when Jesus is saying go out to the nations, he says go out to the ethnos, the nations there. The, the Latin is natio, it's people, it's tribe, it's kin, it's genus, it's class, it's flock. It's a, a large group of a collective people. that have maybe some similar traits or habits or traditions or customs. He's like, go find people that have a different custom and give them a new custom, a kingdom custom. Bring, bring, uh, go to that, that culture and bring a new culture. Are you guys with me? So right here, Right now, we are a reflection of the gospel in action, the discipling of nations, and we celebrate our diversity. It's a good place to start. But I want to be clear, because the goal, I was having a conversation with Sonny Smith. Sonny is the pastor of Detroit Church, the church that we planted about a year ago, and he's preaching the same message right now. And he says, you know, Flett, sometimes we think that the goal is diversity, and so that we all come in the room together. But that's not the goal. The goal is reconciliation. That we've been reconciled back to one another. See, we can be in the same room without unity. That's why the scripture says in Acts chapter 2, it says they were in one place and on one accord. They're in one place and on one accord. So we can be in one place and be on different accords. Having different agendas. See, okay, I'm just going to be honest. Lord, help me. Uh, when I think about this mosaic and this beautiful thing, I, I think people are asking real questions. They're asking, do we really want it? Why? Because ethnic unity is difficult. It's funny to me, you know, um, well, I'll just make this statement. Jesus says that he came to restore all things, and that includes people groups. Restoring them to himself and restoring them to one another. Yeah, I think the funny thing is that biologists say that, that we share 99.99% of our genes or the same DNA. So we're only different by 0.01. we the same. But we major on the 0.01. We major on the pigment, the the shade of pigment. We major on the texture of hair or or the color of eyes or or the facial features of nostrils. We major on the 0.01, but we are 99.99 the same. Some say that in this room that, you know, you got first cousins and second cousins and third cousins. They say that we're about at least the, the degree of 50th cousins. So we just cousins. Distant cousins, but we just cousins. What's up, cuz? Hey, cuz. We're just cousins. Y'all silly. So you ask the question, how do we get here? Where ethnic unity is hard, I believe we kind of must go back to the book of, of Gene or Genesis or, or beginnings. And in the book of Genesis, our disunity is a reflection of sin. And so I don't want to go to chap, Genesis chapter 3. I want to go to Genesis chapter 11. And uh, it's, it reads this. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now the whole earth had 
one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen uh, for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have all, and they have all one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from, their, from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel because uh, there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Now, keep that in mind. I want you to go back a little further to Genesis chapter 9. We see a little bit more foundation. Genesis chapter 9 verse 18 says, The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these people the whole earth was dispersed. All right? And so when you think about these three, this is not in the notes. I'm just kind of giving you a little foundation here. Is that Shem is the father of all Semitic people. Jews, the Middle East. Ham is the father of all uh, African nations and also including Asian nations. And Japheth would be for the European nations. And so God says, the, uh, well, the scripture teaches that from Noah and his three sons, the whole earth is full. So we got a great, 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 you keep going, granddaddy. We all got the same one. Are you guys okay? Okay, now let's kind of back up to, uh, to Babel or Genesis 11 or, or move forward, you'll notice something in the story that the scripture says that the whole earth had one language and the same words uh, and, uh, and they had one mission. They said, come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. They said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower and its top into the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed across the whole earth. Listen, these folks were united. These are four Babel truths. They had one language and one word. They had the same mission. Here's the problem. They were full of pride and disobedience. Now, can you imagine that God looked at their union and was like, man, they can do anything. Wow, nothing will be out of the reach of these folks. They, I mean, they're, they're, they're linking arms here. They got the same language, the same word. They got the same mission. But the problem is that they were trying to make a name for themselves. And they were disobedient. Because God gave us, uh, gave, uh, 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 the, the first command was to, to go and take dominion of all the earth, be fruitful and multiply, right? To go subdue the whole earth. In other words, what, what, one of the things that makes um, ethnic unity Tough is that we like to be where we are. We don't want change. I mean, think about it. I'm leaving to go up the street, and some of y'all mad. I know you love me. But we like the same. 
And so it is with them. They said, we want to build a tower. We're going to build our city, build a tower, make our name great so that we're not dispersed all over the earth. Why? Because they like to set, we like to settle. We like to marry here, settle down here, and don't rock my boat. Think about the possible emails that Doug got because we went from a nine to a 10 and from 11 to a 10 because we don't like change. We like the things to be the same. Not only do we not like change, how many of you know that relationship is hard? Okay, it is, it's hard. It doesn't matter. So I'm not even talk, talking chocolate and vanilla or caramel. Didn't want to leave anybody out. Or strawberry. But relationships are hard. I've been married for 23 years. When I met my wife, two ideologies collided. Two cultures collided. Because there's a culture of my home and there's a culture of her home. And we come to be one, but it was difficult. Because the way we wash our clothes is different than the way she washes her clothes. And we're arguing about washing clothes. Washing clothes? She likes to separate individual colors. I'm like darts, lights, whites. I'm, I'm a, y'all look, I'm sorry. <laughs> so can you imagine as God dispersed the nations and they go out and the, here's what happened is, is that God uh, com, uh, confused their language. And so now they didn't understand each other's speech. And so because they didn't understand each other's speech or language, they stopped building and they just moved on. God dispersed them. Well, here's the thing about language. Doug talks about this all the time. He says, language is how you create culture. Right? You want to create a culture? Start a language. Right now in our country, we have violent rhetoric. And you know why people are violent? Because they have violent language. The scripture says, out of the mouth flows life and death. And they that love it eat its fruit. So because I say all this foolishness, then foolishness shows up. Because we collectively say all this disunity, then disunity shows up. And it's only a reflection of our conversation. So language creates culture. Uh, you know, I, we're not the only one that say this. Sociologists say that language creates culture. Language, how we communicate verbally or nonverbally. It's not just what we say, it's how we say it. It's the tonal nuances, the attitude in which we communicate. In the book Essentials of Sociology, the author writes, a common language is often the most obvious outward sign that people share common culture. For this reason, groups seek to mobilize their members, often insist on their own distinct language. According to some linguists, language not only symbolizes our culture, but also helps create a framework in which culture develops arguing that grammar, structure, and categories embodied in language influence how its speakers see reality. Another way of saying that is the optimist and the pessimist are both right. It's based on what they see. 
It's based on what they say. You guys okay? Yeah, y'all looking at me funny. I'm just trying to figure this out. So why is ethnic diversity hard? Because we have a different language. And sometimes we come together and we're confused. And if you don't stay long enough in a diverse community, you will never understand one another. I remember one of the times I preached here, I kept saying the word jacked up. And, um, and afterwards, somebody said, stop saying jacked up. People think you're cussing. I was like, really? I'm just saying jacked up. Jacked up means messed up. It doesn't mean anything else. And so if I say something, you might misunderstand it. But if you don't stay with me long enough, you really never understand me. So when we think about ethnic unity and how it can be hard, we think about our United States of America, which is a nation of nations. Since the beginning, it was nations, it was different ethnic groups that, that have come to our shores, cross borders to find a better life for economic, social, political, and religious reasons. Yet mixing various ethnicities is a difficult thing. How often do I hear people say, can we, can we play more black music at Grace? Oh, okay, so it's not just that. Um, can we play more hymns at Grace? Can we use less guitar? Oh, I want more guitar. You know, all, this, is, this is work. This is work. But, but this is the gospel. This is a reflection of heaven. Yeah, yes, this is a reflection of heaven. Let's keep moving so we won't be here to 12. Uh, <laughs> so like in Genesis 11, people want to stay where they want to stay. They want to settle where they are. And we too often uh, don't want to move beyond what's comfortable. We hold tightly to something, some things, because we're afraid that if we don't hold tight, we're going to lose it. We're going to lose our individuality. And I, I love the, the term mosaic. Mosaic is a, actually is a Canadian term. They call themselves a mosaic in Canada. The United States calls themselves a melting pot. In a melting pot, you come and you lose yourself. In a mosaic, you can stay remain, but stay united. United. Oh, Canada. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> That was some of y'all singing that. But, but here we are. Here we go. Our human nature is to seek out people who are similar to our culture and interest. We gravitate to people that look like us, talk like us, have the same, same socioeconomic status as us, maybe same educational things that, that we do, because that makes things easy. You know, if you're going to build a church... A good way to build a church is to say, hey, let's get Saddleback Joe. He's about 35 years old, white and male, and we're going to target him. So we're going to create the music that sounds like him. Our preaching style is going to be relevant to him. Our conversation is going to be relevant to him. But how many know that grace blows that out the water? That's why it makes it hard. You gain some, you lose some. Why? Because not everybody likes this. Because this is uncomfortable. You even think about just our region. Our region has a powerful and influential history of ethnic separation. Metro Detroit, it's been difficult. I mean, so when I passed the church at, uh, at Seven Mile and Gratiot, I would have these uh, uh, missionary teams coming to Detroit, and they'd always ask me this one question. 
can you take us to Eight Mile? And literally, we're taking selfies at Eight Mile by the sign. Well, if you don't know it, Eminem did a movie called Eight Mile. And these millennials saw Eight Mile, the movie, and were like, I gotta go see Eight Mile. Why? Because Eight Mile was a divider. I remember we couldn't cross Eight Mile because you cross Eight Mile, woo! The police were like, on your tail. You're gonna hear all kinds of words. And when my wife was in high school at Bethesda Christian, she was, uh, you know, her friends would say, I can't, although they knew Detroit better than she did because they disobeyed her, their parents. They're like, my parents don't want me to come in Detroit. I remember I was at Eastland Mall working there. And this girl was in Harper Woods at Eastland Mall and says, I can't go to Detroit. I'm like, you can spit in Detroit. <laughs> but we have this history of ethnic separation. In the 67 riots, in the 67 riots, they said, listen, uh, because of that, uh, uh, when there were more diverse communities, uh, the the governor of the time said, listen, um, if you want us to pay to get your buildings, to rebuild your community, you have to build them outside of Detroit. Then Mayor Coleman Young came in and he says, why do you stay out? Oh, come on. So we have been indoctrinated to be separate. But how many know that's a different doctrine? That's different information than those of us who are in Christ. We are to be united. Our calling is to bring people into God's kingdom and to demonstrate that his kingdom doesn't submit to human culture and divisions and that is alien to this world's demands and preferences. That's our mission. It's countercultural. Paul states that the church is meant to be diverse, even having different gifts and talents and insights. Can you imagine that you, we think about the mosaic and we think about ourselves, but when I think about the mosaic, I think about how creative God is. Oh my goodness. He had diversity in mind when he created you, but he had diversity that lived in the context of unity, sharing his mission. Listen, one of the things that we need to know is that believers are required to offer hospitality to each other. Did you hear that? We're required to offer hospitality. 1 Peter 4 9 says, offer hospitality to one another without Grumbling. Uh. <laughs> and so the corny Greek word for hospitality is philoxenia, philoxenia. It's love of stranger. God calls us to love of stranger. And sometimes we mix it up. We have xenophobia. <laughs> In other words, fear of stranger. But God wants us to have Love of stranger, love of someone who looks different. Love of someone who's only 0.01 different. That's all the difference. I, I really believe that most of us want the same thing. Most of us want to, you know, uh, you know, we want to do well, have a family, have some kids. Right? Want them to go to good schools. Want them to be educated. Most of, we just want the same things. Most of us want peace. We don't want no drama. 
I think that too often we live in the worst imagination about the other ethnic group. And we let our imaginations speak to us in what's real. So uh, uh, a, few, uh, a few months ago, probably four or five months, maybe more than six months ago, uh, my son was out in Rochester Hills or Rochester somewhere, and he's out with his girlfriend at the time, and uh, they're out, I don't know, it was about 10 or 11 o'clock, and he's at the house, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, there's a car that's sitting out behind him, and the car's been sitting there for 30, 45 minutes with the bright lights on. They're like, what's going on? And a police officer steps out and says, hey, show me your license registration. He's just sitting out in front of his girlfriend's house. And so he was like, well, I, I, I took my ID out earlier, and so I went to go reach for it. And the officer's like, hey, don't reach, don't reach, don't reach. Well, he's used to somebody saying don't reach, but it's been me. We're playing basketball. Hey, don't reach, don't reach, don't, don't reach because you're going to foul. Well, now it's an officer. And listen, you have to know that for my context, when I hear a police officer say to my son, don't reach, that scares me. That makes me uncomfortable. Because not everybody knows my son like I know him. All they know is that 0.01%. They don't know that he volunteers downstairs with young people. They don't know that he sits on a stage and sings worship to Jesus. They don't know that he cuts our neighbor's grass who's not there. They don't know that about them. All they see is the 0.01%. And if we choose to live by identity markers, we'll miss out on the beauty that's really there. Ethnic muting is hard when we choose to make it hard. But not, but not trusting and not taking risk. <laughs> I don't want that job. See, local churches should not seek to be intentionally ethnic and socially the same. That should not be our intention. It should not be our intention to separate from others with different ethnicity. I know it's hard. I know it's human nature to, be, to do sameness. But we've been called to a different kingdom. And how many know that every kingdom has a culture? And the culture of that kingdom is a reflection of the character of the king. That's right. And so as we live in this place, in this mosaic, our responsibility is not to let the outward in, it's to allow the upward in. And say, so what does the kingdom of heaven look like? And we want to exemplify the kingdom of heaven in this place. And the kingdom of heaven is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, patience, self-control. Yeah. Do you know that when, you, when there's the new Jerusalem, that the new Jerusalem will not be bland or sameness? No, it'll be diversity. But that diversity will be unity. Having the same mission, 
having the same goal to bring praise and honor to our God. So we have to overcome the difficulty of ethnic separation. We should confess our personal sin of prejudice and fear. And even Nehemiah, Nehemiah in chapter one begins to pray that God will forgive him of the sins of his father. Some, we got sins of the father, and I'm not just talking about white folks, I'm talking about black folks. I gotta let go of the demonic thoughts that my people sent to me, the ideologies. Don't trust a white man. Is it okay if I'm being real with y'all? Because y'all are like, did he just say that? He just said, don't trust a white man. No, these are things that we're taught. And we have to cast down those vain, empty, uh, dark, wicked imaginations so that Christ's truth can raise up. We can learn the history, culture, and language of ethnic groups in our metro area. One of the things that I believe is that it's not just the injustice, it's not just injustice for, uh, for African Americans to experience slavery. I also think it's injustice that most whites don't know African American history. And so all you might know is the story of slavery and if you live in Detroit, the riots. And if that's all you know about African Americans, then you'll think that they don't offer anything. You got to do some research. You got to do some homework. You have to build some relationships that you can have conversations. I love, I love that this week I got a chance. This chocolate dude from, from Detroit was sitting out having lunch with Brian Black, and he's a VP at, at one of them banks, Bank of America, Fifth Third, one of them, and we can have conversation. And we discover that we're more alike than different. I love that I can sit down and, and have a, a conversation with John Nixon, another older white male, and we can just have talk about music. And his music, you know, he knows so much about, more about music than I do. I'll just sit there and listen, oh, wow. But we can have conversations, even have tough conversations. And we talked a little about today, and he says, you know, some of the, some of the problem is that, um, uh, that in relationship, or when we, bring, when we talk about uh, ethnicity, is that we go back to our default starting points about people. Or maybe our worst experience that we have with somebody was of a different ethnicity than us. And we live from that worst experience than engaging in an opportunity for beauty. You know, Doug says it all the time, that every movement of God begins with an invitation. It doesn't change when we talk about ethnicity. This is a movement of God. This is not normal. You have churches that live in diverse areas but stay uh, same. We're a church that lives in a diverse area and someone had a vision that came from heaven and says, no, this church should look like its community. This is the movement of God. We get a chance to taste a little bit of heaven in this room. But listen, you've got to engage more. 
You can't be satisfied letting your leaves touch. You got to let your roots touch. And overcome the difficulty. Overcome the difficulty of ethnic separation. We must do it, church. Listen, we are to be friends and welcoming, serving, encouraging those who worship God. We should welcome the people that have the same faith and just love them like, oh my gosh, come hang out with me. Let's worship Jesus together. Let's celebrate the Lord together. I'm cutting a lot of this stuff out because I've got to be done now. Yeah, whatever. Don't y'all get me in trouble. I ain't falling for it. I ain't falling for it. Last scripture I'll, I'll read and then we'll be done. In Genesis chapter 11, God confused their language. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, God begins to unite language. He says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them other utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belong to the Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God, that the Spirit unites our language. Why? Because that language creates a kind of culture, and that culture is a reflection of the kingdom and the king. And so when we prayed this morning, come Holy Spirit, speak to me, because we want to represent God's kingdom. And the kingdom of God is righteousness, uh, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So as we gather, I expect to see right relating. Black and white. Asian and Latino. I expect to see peace, that there's no animosity between us. And boy, we like to party together because there's so much joy. So would you pray with me? Father, help us get this culture, the culture of the kingdom out these doors. Help us be a model to our cities where there's unity and diversity. And not just any kind of unity, Lord, but there's a sense of reconciliation where we're willing to keep short accounts when we're willing to offer grace when others make mistakes. God, help us pour out your spirit on us that we might reflect your heart 
for the places we live. That Gross Point would know what it looks like for black and white to be together. That Detroit would know what it looks like for black and white to be together. Lord, you said that they would know us by our love. And you said that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom you've given us. And so, Lord, I know that there's love there. Help us express it. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. God bless you. Have a super Sunday. Thank you.